The story is told about a young man who wanted to know how to get closer to God. So he went to his spiritual director and he said, "Uh, Master, Master, tell me the secret. Tell me the secret to get closer to God. So the master said, come with me. He took him to a a stream down that was just below the village where the two of them lived. and, And he led the young man out into the water. And he said to the young man, now immerse yourself in the waters. And the man dipped underneath the water wondering, what will the master have for me? And suddenly the master placed both hands upon the young man's head and held him. And he began to ache for air and struggle. And the master still held him. And now his lungs were hurting. And he thought to himself, is the master going to drown me? Is that the way he's going to help me be closer to God? At the very last second, the master led him up. And he came out of the water gasping and just aching for air. And the master said, when you desire God at the same level as you just desired to breathe, then you shall truly find God. In the first Beatitudes, they're all about emptying ourselves. Emptying our pride. Blessed are the poor in spirit. To admit that we have a need for God. That we live in a poverty state of spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. To admit and empty our sin. To mourn for our sin. Blessed are the meek. Although we're a little taken back by that, what what it really means is to give up our control, to hand it over to God, to empty ourselves of the need to control. In these next two Beatitudes, Jesus is basically saying, now that you're empty, let me show you what it means to live. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you shall be satisfied love God and blessed are those who show mercy for they shall receive mercy this is the way you love your neighbor that's what we want to focus on today as Jesus gets down to the brass tacks of loving God and loving neighbor let's pray Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. May these words be your words. And for all that I don't say this morning that you would have me say, Lord, I pray that your spirit would fill in the gaps of our heart. Hide me behind the cross, O God, that all of us would only see you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus continues his step-by-step progress toward becoming a fully developing disciple with 
this particular passage. And here's, here's the formula that I want you to take home. True righteousness equals a right relationship with God. True righteousness equals a right relationship with God. We often understand what it means to be a Christian. I mean, this is particularly prevalent among those who are, who are non-Christians, who call themselves spiritual but not religious. Have you heard that? I'm spiritual but not religious. Um, and and what, uh, what they see is that they, they see um, this effort of righteousness as a moral and ethical imperative. And, and certainly, there is a moral and ethical imperative. I don't want to take away from that. But it's so much more. The Greek word translated here for righteousness, uh, diasoninen, is uh, a word translated righteousness. But the word means more than doing the right thing. It's an interesting Greek word that connects right living or justification with a relationship. That as we have a relationship with another, it's used in relationships with two people. As, as that relationship grows, the person becomes a better person. They become righteous. And holy righteousness is that relationship with God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. When this word is used in the New Testament, it's associated with justification. But here's the deal. God has accepted us as worthy of a relationship, even though we don't deserve that relationship. God has accepted us has seen us as worthy of a relationship, of righteousness, even though we don't deserve it. See, there's, only, there's a problem with only looking at doing the right thing. We miss, we miss the joy of, of what it means to know God, to fill our lungs, our heart, our soul, our very being with God. Otherwise... If we're just about the right thing, doing the right thing, we see God as a stern lawgiver, rule keeper, where there is distance, estrangement, and fear. And as long as our relationship with Jesus is just an obligation, just doing the right thing, just a life of duty, we'll never find the satisfaction that is promised. Hmm. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He goes on to say, and they will be filled. They will be filled. And the word therefore filled is actually satisfaction. It's kortos, the Greek word. And here's the cool part. Um, it actually means to gorge or to fatten. Is that cool or what? <laughs> Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they will be fattened with God. They will be gorged with God. They will be so full of God that we're like a tick that's ready to pop. I want that. I need that. Hmm. Because to be gorged with God is to never let the hungers of this world control us again. Did you hear that? To never let the hungers of this world control us again. To be gorged and fattened with God is to seek the bread of life, the living waters, the things of God. Jesus is saying if you want to be satisfied, if you want to be filled, if, if you want to have the fullness of life, then passionately, intensely, above all else, hunger and thirst for a relationship with God. To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. As Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6. Now, next. Next, Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. And notice how Jesus is putting together, as he put together those two passages from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love neighbor as self. So these two beatitudes go together. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for a relationship with God, they will be full, filled. And those who show mercy shall receive mercy. The word for mercy is ilios. It is a mercy attributed to God. It is a mercy that is, that is really beyond human capability. It is only as we hung, I believe this is what Jesus is saying, only as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, only as we are filled, then can we show this kind of mercy. Only then. Ephesians 2.4 says, God is said to be rich in mercy, Elios. And Titus 3.5, we are saved by his mercy, Elios. And 1 Peter 1.3 in his great mercy, Elios, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Elios, to wash over, to whitewash, to wipe out, to cancel. It is beyond sympathy and empathy. It is beyond just, a, 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 just an act of, of kindness. It is a full devotion to showing oneself to another, Elios. And so as God has, as we have done, so God has done for us. My, uh, my son taught me this uh, when he was in the second grade. Um, my, uh, my son's very obedient, by the way. Uh, he's about 6'2", 240. And I, when he picks me up, I tell him to put me down, and he does right away. And, uh, uh, but he's always been that way. Uh, in, in the second grade, he was the biggest kid in the class. And, and we really had to stay on him because he didn't realize his size and his strength. He could push kids around. And so we were constantly saying, don't hit, don't hit, don't hit, don't hit. 
I was tired of getting calls from the kindergarten and the first grade teacher. Don't hit, John. I get this call from the second grade teacher, and she says, I need to meet with you. And I thought immediately, oh, no, here we go again. He doesn't know. I'm trying to tell him. He doesn't know that when he pushes somebody, he's being friendly just because they go flying up against the wall. <laughs> so I, I go into the teacher, and, and she says to me, we have a problem. There is a boy that's picking on your son, and it's really getting ugly. I said, what? There's someone picking on my son? And she said, yes, and the problem is your son won't defend himself. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, and I can't tell him, but you can. <laughs> and I will turn my back. <laughs> and I'm thinking, am I really hearing this? You know, I mean, this, this and, and so I went home that night and I asked my son, I said, son, is there a kid named Jimmy? And he said, yeah. I said, is he picking on you? Oh, yeah, sometimes it's really bad. He'll jump on my back. He'll pour water on. I mean, she'd say, yeah. And I said, well, son, here's what we're going to do. And I felt so guilty telling him this. <laughs> I said, the next time he does something, I want you to pick the biggest place on his face and hit him one time. And he goes, I get to hit him? <laughs> and I said, one time. One time. And he said, are you sure I get to hit him? He said, one time. And only him. I thought, here's this pastor telling his son <laughs> to hit a child. He comes home the next day. He has this big, huge smile on his face. And he says to me, guess what, Dad? I'm friends with Jimmy now. I said, well, son, what happened? He said, well, he was picking on me and thumping my ear and I can't remember what else, and I just hit him. And Daddy, he cried. He cried, and I felt so bad. And I sat down with him, and I cried with him. <laughs> and I put my arm around him, and I think we're pretty good friends now. <laughs> and I thought to myself, Oh, my. Oh, my. You know, my son has taught me something new about what it means to be a human being. And I, I, I still don't know if it was right for him to hit the kid, but I do know deep inside of him, and he's still that way. As big as he is, that he's the one that sits down and cries with those who are hurting. Blessed are those who show mercy, for they will be given mercy. You see, if I am merciful... If I am merciful, I'm patient with those who are different than myself. Now, and, and I know what you're thinking, because you're thinking of that person that's absolutely obnoxious. You got that person in your head? You got them? That person that is absolutely impossible to deal with. 
Here's what I've learned about life. And it's, it's hard, but I, I, I think it's true. That those persons who act out, they're hurting. There's something going on in their life. And, and the best thing for me to do, if I'm going to be merciful, is to try to understand them. And, and if I am merciful, I'm willing to forgive those who have failed me. When I, here's the question. When someone makes a mistake, do I rub it in or rub it out? And forgiveness is a two-edged sword. And here's the deal. Um, when we ask somebody to forgive us, we, we know the need. We know the need, right? And, and we beg for that forgiveness, particularly if we, if we mean it, you know. But when somebody asks for forgiveness from us, a little harder. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. For see, the merciful look down below the actions to the heart, to the pain, to that part of the soul that so desperately needs mercy. And and what's great about it is is that when we show mercy, we open ourselves to mercy. And and and, and what I truly believe is that, that Jesus is calling us to show mercy even to our enemies. Even to our enemies which is totally contrary to the eye for an eye. If someone hurts you, hurt them back. It's a dog-eat-dog world. See, mercy is an intended action and not a reaction. Blessed are those who show mercy, for they will receive mercy. You see, here's the deal. As we show mercy, our hearts soften. They open. It's impossible to show mercy without opening our hearts. And that makes our heart ready to receive mercy. It's one of the great spiritual truths about life. And it works like this. Robert Schuller tells this story. It's a story about a woman by the name of Bernice Shug. 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 Bernice Shug. And what happened with, with Schuller is that there was a woman in the church. She was, a, you know, a, a kind of challenged financially. And he, he took the opportunity to, uh, to hire her to clean uh, his house and a few places in the in the church to help her out. And one Sunday they were talking in the in, in his living room as she was kind of cleaning things up. And he said to her, he said, "You know, uh, this Sunday 
we're going to have a kamikaze pilot from World War II come and tell his testimony of coming to know Christ. How he, as a Buddhist, through the war, began to see differently about things and how he came to know Christ. And she looked at Schuler and she said, well, I won't be there. And he said, excuse me? She said, my son was killed by a kamikaze pilot in World War II. I can barely talk to someone from Japan. And, and Shula tried to soften it, and he said, you know, it, it, it's, it's okay. You know, missing one Sunday would be fine. It, it would be okay. And that was the end of the conversation. The next Sunday, the uh, kamikaze pilot... Uh, tells the story uh, about his coming to know Christ, and and uh, you know there wasn't a dry eye in the eye in, in, in there at Crystal Cathedral as this man tells about um, <laughs> tells about how how through the 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 pain of 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 the, of the loss of World War II and 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 the, the loss of his brothers who were also kamikaze pilots, and and how his survival helped him see the world in a completely different way. And how he came to know Christ. Shula was walking him down the aisle at the end of the service. So he'd have the opportunity to meet people after the service. And as he did, Bernice stepped out into the aisle to block their way. And Shula thinks, oh my goodness. Oh no. I mean, she had this look. Like, I'm ready. Bring it on. She looked him squarely in the eye and she said, my son was killed by a kamikaze. Schuler held his breath, waiting for the next. And then she said, and I have seen how God has forgiven your sins. And she said, and for the first time in my life, Tonight, for 40 years, tonight, I've allowed him to forgive mine. And she said, will you forgive me for the hatred that I have had for your people? Wow. Wow. With tears in his eyes, the pilot said these words. Will you forgive me for what my people did to you? And she threw her arms around this Japanese pilot. Both of them crying and weeping. Tears of joy. Tears of forgiveness. As she had received mercy as she had shared mercy so she was able do you do you understand what's going on here i mean how critical this is for our lives this morning let's take the hard steps as we close our worship service i want to i want to ask you to do a couple really hard things first for all those broken places in your life Just let them go. Release them to God.
For any hatred that you might have or hard feelings that you might have for someone, let it go. Just lay it out there. I know this is the hardest part of my life. Lay it out there. God can take anything. And say, Lord, for you, for you, all things are possible. Make me whole. Give me your mercy. Fill me with your love. That I may be fattened by your presence.